Good podcast. It's Houston. I'm here today with another episode of the Superstory podcast. And today is going to be the audio from a panel that I was just invited to participate on. And it is for a panel with the PG Connects Digital organization, the Pocket Gamer. Uh, it's a it's an organization. Uh, this is a video game conference actually uh, out of Helsinki. And I uh, participated with a lot of different awesome video game professionals, uh, multi-platform professionals, cross-platform professionals uh, in a discussion over future visions of games. What does the future of interactive storytelling look like? What does the future of the gaming industry look like? How does transmedia and super story impact that? And there's a lot of super smart folks on this panel that we talk about NFTs, we talk about VR, we talk about transmedia, cross-platform IT, story worlds, and everything in between. Uh, it's a really good 45 minutes of meaty uh, uh, discussion between a lot of uh, good, uh, smart folks. So I thought you would enjoy if I shared it with you. So And check out uh, the PG Connect folks. They do a lot of really good content and a lot of really good events if you're interested in the gaming space, which you all should be because video games are ruling the entertainment world right now. So hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you soon. All right. And and isn't it an amazing coincidence that we are just tuning into this first panel right at the back of an NFT uh, presentation, <laughs> which is which is certainly part sure. of uh, part of the um, these future future trends um, that we're going to be talking about today. So uh, so let's let's actually uh, Sophia said that I'm going to do the introductions for you guys, but I have a way better idea. I think you're going to do, <laughs> do the introductions for yourselves because you're going to do a way better job at that than myself. Um, but but, uh, but I just wanted to give like kind of a little little uh, preamble before we before we get started today, and you know welcome everybody in the audience as well. Uh, we have a very uh, fun topic today. I really really love talking about this stuff because. You know, with with kind of like gaming, the games industry, I'm not sure how many of you have seen these, the, the data coming out recently, having this record-breaking year in uh, 2020. I think it was something like north of $170 billion globally uh, that gaming has made, um, kind of eclipsing any other uh, entertainment uh, medium, as well as, of course, this constant buzz around NFTs, uh, the metaverse, um, you know, and, and, and all the all the other, um, uh, you know, trends that are going on right now. Um, many of us are wondering where will interactive entertainment be in the future, right? How is how is the landscape going to look like uh, in a couple of decades? And um, and well, that's what the panel is, is going to be about today. So I'm super, super excited about this lineup. We have some people with very uh, diverse backgrounds in this space. Um, so I can't wait to touch on all, all your different expertise um, and, and kind of like take our little proverbial crystal ball and peer into this future together. So, uh, but before we kick off, let's do a quick round of introductions. I'm going to start uh, just quickly with myself. Uh, so my name is Judah James. I'm the Trade Commissioner for Video Games and Esports with the Consulate General of Finland in Los Angeles. Um, so I support Finnish teams and, and Finnish, uh, Finnish companies uh, with their market entry efforts into the US and for happy to talk with any US companies who are in, uh, interested in the Finnish games or esports markets. And then uh, with that, I'm going to kick it off to, to Ku who is right here under me. So 
let's 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 start with you. Uh, all right, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, everyone. I am Ku. I am uh, based in Seattle, originally from Taiwan. I'm a pop culture consultant, so I work in the area of gaming, anime, manga, comics, and collectibles. So, thank you for having me. I'll kick it off to Houston. Wow, I wish I could be a pop culture consultant. That sounds that sounds like a great <laughs> job. That's fantastic. Um, my uh, my name is uh, Houston Howard. Super happy uh, to be here. I am the uh, the founder uh, and chief storyteller at a company called One Three Creative. I focus on uh, transmedia multi platform strategy for IP, and so I'm I'm sort of the the odd duck that works in games and comics and music and film and television and figuring out how to glue it all together for some broader holistic um, experience for the audience. Awesome, very cool. So, do you want me to pass it off to somebody? Is it like a game? Sure, I just go pick, ahead. I pick mm -hmm. one. Who started the trend? So I was like, why <laughs> like not? Let's, let's do this, sure. I like it. Uh, <laughs> let's, do, uh, let's do Lewis. Hi, uh, it's Louis and uh, I'm Louis Savvy. Um, uh, I'm a 20 year uh, film festival organizer. I run Sci-Fi London um, and I've been doing that for our 21st year this year. I do some film production and I've just started dipping my toes into a uh, gaming world. We've got the license to produce the John Carter uh, Warlord of Mars um, video game, which we're doing for PC and console. So, um, so I'm, this is a huge learning curve for me, if nothing else. Um, and it's great to be amongst all these experts and all this talent. It's been, uh, it's been really interesting. Hopefully I can bring something to the party. Who knows? If not, I'm going to learn a lot. Definitely. All right, Luis, do you want to, uh, 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 Luis, sorry. Oh, yeah. Do you want to kick it off to somebody? I need to hand this off to Alexia. Which way is it down past the baton that way or? <laughs> I'm actually not on the top from there my point go. of view. So, <laughs> um, hello, uh, it's a very great um, to join your panel. I'm Alexi, I'm running studio here in Kiev uh, called Beat Shapers. We do mainly console games and uh, we are one of the studios who pioneered streaming interactions, which is a kind of base of many companies right now. So we are into this space and the past few years we've been very active in VR. So I believe there is a lot of intersections in terms of uh, entertainment. So yeah, this is very interesting uh, area for us. So awesome. Yeah, thank you. Great, welcome. So, John? There you go, give it to me, Alexi. All right, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, uh, well, thank you, Zuzia. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm John Middleton. I'm uh, the CEO of Nifty Games in uh, the US. We're in San Francisco and LA Chicago. And we are focused on uh, free-to-play mobile sports games. Uh, my background, I've been in uh, gaming for 25 years, uh, really throughout the, the entire industry, from development to publishing, uh, done in-game advertising and music, uh, even uh, down to the merchandise and, and uh, accessories. So uh, yeah, really happy to be here and, and thanks for having me. And I will, uh, I'll, I'll turn it back to you for the grilling and the questioning and this, you know, building a massive <laughs> conversation of the future. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in 20 years. Yeah, well, we're going to we're going to learn all about it within the next half an hour, John. And uh, well, <laughs> that, that, this is this is it. This this is this is where this is where you all find out what happens well, in, the next, the in the next 20 years. Perfect time. Uh, <laughs> but yes, welcome, everybody. So great. Again, like so great to have you all. And uh, yes. Yeah, so so um, 
as John said, I do have a lot of questions. Uh, and speaking of questions, before we get started, uh, there was already a great reminder there in the in the chat, but I will do so again for those who are listening uh, to please put your questions uh, in the Q and A. I will be picking them out. Um, you know, uh, actually throughout the talk, if if there's some that 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 comes up that's that's relevant throughout the talk, I, I may I may fit them in in between. Uh, but we're gonna have a dedicated Q and A um, uh, towards the end as well. So make sure you put your questions in the Q and A box below. Um, and then with that, uh, I'm actually going to kick it off with uh, with Louis because um, uh, because uh, I you know I wanted to talk a little bit about the intersection of uh, the film industry and the gaming industry. You said you are kind of new to this space, and as somebody who's kind of like coming into this new, um, a very interest. It's very interesting to me what your perspective uh, is um, uh, on this, and 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 kind of like how do you see. Uh, the games industry intersecting with film, and how do you foresee that uh, affecting the film industry uh, going forward? So, Louis, what would you say are like sort of the biggest? Well, first of all, what is kind of like your first impression? Because you you mentioned that you're you're new to this space, so I want to start with that, and then I really want you to kind of like talk a little bit about the biggest trends that you think are affecting the uh, the film industry right now, and uh, how do you see it will look like in the next twenty years? And for like two minutes now, I'm kidding. Good, right, <laughs> big, okay. Big, massive question for like <laughs> the first question. The answer, is, the answer is yes. <laughs> um, Great. Uh, yeah. So uh, there's so yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Obviously, that's. Um, uh, I mean, first off, I think that uh, gaming of film and entertainment. Uh, there's always going to be uh, passive um, entertainment, and we're going to still love passive passive entertainment in the future it's going to go on and on we're going to want to watch sports we're going to want to watch a, a, a tale and an episodic series and so on and not be involved in it and just just let the story come into us but i think what's been really interesting um and in terms of just answering very quickly on what the the sort of big issues are with certainly with film and gaming at the moment is that the money's all in gaming and the money's not in film really at the moment it's certainly because of the lockdown where the hell do you show your film unless you put it on tv you know um whatever you call streaming services ultimately you're still putting it on someone's laptop or on their tv at home you know we don't have the blockbuster movies at the cinemas at the moment and they keep being pushed off and further and further away so investment is very difficult in film um currently and i think people are looking at gaming because it's home is naturally at home mm -hmm. um, i think what's really interesting is is the virtual sets and virtual production and how that world is starting to really open up now it's a friend of mine i think he's on a panel later tonight uh, has uh, dulal who's done his first completely animated uh, feature film in the unreal engine you know he's been using that in after effects and done all of his mocap and captures and everything he's going to put it all through unreal and it will look amazing i mean what i've seen of it it will look amazing it'll be, be fabulous i think the intersection's going to come when when you know what we can do with sort of deep fakes and meta humans and that that kind of development i think it's going to be amazing that that you'll be able to, A, have some user-generated content. You know, if I want to be in that movie, you know, another MCU title comes out, but it comes out as a game kind of ecosystem, you know, as part of the MCU, but it allows me to use my iPhone, mocap my face, throw myself through a, 
a really simple metahuman online um you know editor and then drop myself into the premiere of that film when it gets sold to me via the netflix mcu unreal interactive engine premiere at home system you know so i can now go and be black widow if i want to i mean it's you know or i can go and be the hulk and have my face being used for that but what equally i think what would be interesting is is the whether or not they'll start being a really big bank of of celebrities taking rights uh, on uh, on their images and their voices and and their acting and so on, and then having those available as banks in things like MetaHumans. So if you want to have George Clooney in your movie, you can just go to a store and buy him and put him in your film. Or equally at home, again, if I don't want if I want a passive experience, but I want to have some gameplay as well, with a little bit of building, I can go in and get that next MCU film. And think, do you know what? I really, why are they putting Chris Hemsworth in that role? He's going to be dreadful. Why don't we put in uh, Ryan Reynolds? I prefer him. He'd be much better in that role. So then I can just go and switch out performances. You know, I can switch out the actor. I can do all that because the AIs and the being able to deal with the, the, the image and also some of the speech patterns and the way that that performance work. I can see that coming, you know, not very far away. You know, someone's going to take that idea um, of having a full-on immersive experience, stick it into VR, stick it onto my TV screen, do whatever I want, but allow me to be in it or to choose my cast, choose Mm -hmm. not just my game, you know, my, you know, not flicker book when, you know, picking, I go to page 29 now. You know, and go yeah. to page 35 now and do I go left and open that door and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I think that's what's going to come. That's fantastic. Louis, I, I love this. You, you've touched on about a dozen things that I that I want to talk about all, all at once, which is fantastic. So like my, my head was just buzzing with, with questions, but, and I'm, and we're going to, and we're going to get, get to those. I love the comments in the chat, Nick Offerman starring in everything. Uh, but yeah, that, that is, that is, uh, you know, uh, the democratization of creation, um, if, you know, with these tools, with these, these engines, uh, the game engines that are, that, uh, that are now, uh, you know, like we're, we're talking about metahumans is absolutely fantastic, uh, um, in, in how it, 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 it really gives the hand uh the um it gives the, the power of creation into the hands of, of of talent and it's really making it much easier for talented up-and-coming filmmakers or game makers and and that's the thing like are we gonna is are these things they can monetize. intersect and, but when and that make can them be monetized when that can exactly. be monetized, when they can see a clear route to monetizing that to be able to sell <laughs> me additional things within a store for the mcu you know like john said about having merchandise you know you can go be, you can you can buy all this digital merchandise but also digital characters and elements and you know i want that marvel fight now between spidey and whoever else to happen in my street because i can buy the 3d models and everything from google and i have that feel like it's going on outside and then i can purchase the clip of the thing i've just watched and then sell that to my friend you know i mean just the ugc part of it i think is really interesting mm. but i think that, that the industry certainly between film and game will really really mm. cotton on to be able to make um uh, sort of real cut and paste and you know, Lego, Lego, entertainment yeah. become Lego, you know. 
and 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 um, and and yes, and you touched on very importantly about uh, monetization and how uh, that is, I think, something that that the film industry is is going to be able to to take take a page out of the the book from 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 gaming. Um, and you know, again, we 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 just talked about some of those forms of monetization. But since you touched on a lot of things regarding IP and a lot of different media and how some of these these uh, these IPs could would cut across media, I wanted to use that as a segue to 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 ask Houston because uh, so so this kind of like dovetails really nicely into your domain, which is all about IP, right? And big stories sure. and how to, to you know write these grand uh, grand stories across these multiple uh, across multiple platforms, which we have actually seen over the years, right? Like we have seen a yeah. lot of uh, mm. uh, uh, crossovers now uh, lately. Some with actually more more success than less. It, it used to be so that that game IPs haven't really translated very well into into film in particular, but now we've actually yeah. seen a couple of successful endeavors in that. Um, so what is your take on, on this vision that Louis painted uh, in terms of, you know, have, having having an, an IP and just it being very transformative, uh, really giving it into the hands of the uh, of the, both the creators and the consumers. Um, how do you see the um, a successful brands like IP uh, in the future? What, what, would a, what would a brand have to think about um, when creating a big story and a big IP in the coming decades? Yeah, I mean, it, this, I think, is is the most uh, interesting time to be a creator because you're now faced with uh, with all these opportunities. I, and I'm, I'm very bullish on the fact that this is the most opportunistic time to be a creator ever since the invention of the printing press. I think there's just a wild opportunity. A lot of people are freaking out scared and they don't know how to how to move forward but for the people that can figure out how to move forward i think there's a lot of a lot of neat things we can do um i think you know the the successful entertainment brand uh moving forward uh has to think about holistic business models we have to think about uh before you know uh things were very myopic into uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna create a game i'm gonna create a film uh and then i'm gonna license out things uh to other companies to be able to do the game or do the comic books uh, now I think we we have to be thinking in the creative development aspect of the IP. We've got to be thinking about these other things, um, and then we have to figure out how do we pull these other extensions in in such a way that it actually works together for uh, for a greater continuity. And I think you know as we see as we've seen things with you know with the, the big Disney IPs of Star Wars and the MCU, and then you know uh, uh, but even beyond. Uh, uh, those you know iconic IPs, we, we you see a craving for continuity. You see a craving just the, for the Lego blocks to sync up. I think that's the difference between uh, Warner Brothers and, and Marvel uh, with with how they've treated their their superhero brands. Is one has continuity and one doesn't. And so I think you know what you're going to see is is a tripling and quadrupling down. Uh, on the creative development end, on on things that have great story worlds, and uh, you know. For, that's the, the a great story world is what will become the engine to fuel multi-platform IP, um, and that's that is a creative asset that um, that video games I think intrinsically have more than film and television, even more than you know some other types of, of media is that you, they've always they've always just naturally had great story worlds, and and now in a multi-platform setting that story world is the thing that is the engine that drives all the story potential. I'm, I'm 
completely convinced that the the revenue potential of a brand will ultimately be dialed back to how good of a story world do you have? When I say story world, I, I, I specifically mean you know what's the um, you know we. We know who we know the story of Black Panther, you know, T'Challa vying for the throne against Killmonger. Uh, but that story world is Wakanda or even the greater MCU. Are you are you able to take your main character out of the out of the story and still have something interesting when you have that engine, that creative asset um, uh, that then uh, is beyond just a single character or beyond just a single story? Now you have something special that can fuel all these opportunities. There's going to be passive opportunities. There's going to be active opportunities. There's going to be more interactive opportunities. Um uh, you know, getting into the NFT space, as uh, as we just heard the, the previous uh, presenter talking about, there's so much stuff. But ultimately, it all comes back down to the creative idea. And if you don't have that good creative, none of these opportunities are fueled in a great way. And uh, and, and that creative asset, I think that's going to drive it is is just that big idea of of what that world of 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 the game or the film or the book what that existed. But I think, you know, in 20 years, you're going to want, you're, you're not going to be able to say that's a video game IP. That's a movie IP. That's a comic book IP. I think, uh, I think everything is going to be sort of this weird amorphous, uh, uh, just, you know, IP blob uh, where, where you say that, that is, that's a multi-platform IP. That's a successful IP because it extends it doesn't have. I'm, I'm from. I'm from Kentucky, uh, so I'm from the country, and you know we always hear that the phrase, uh, uh, "Don't put all your eggs in one basket." And that's all. That's country wisdom, right? Uh, now we're, we're seeing that. Now the only. I think the way forward is to take your eggs, put them in a lot of different baskets, and see how those baskets uh, thrive moving forward. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And and uh, you, you touched on something interesting there um, uh, where, uh, where, where Luis also <clears throat> mentioned about the kind of like the the um, the malleability of IP and yeah. and and the sort of um, the desire for the increased desire and almost the increased uh, expectation of consumers to be able to kind of like play with with these characters and put them in places where where they want them to to be sure. and, and and you know uh, so how do you so so j just a quick follow-up on, on what you yeah. what you discussed how do you see the concept of IP evolving in this sort of more democratized both creator and consumer space uh, going ahead like how will IP look look like in the meta metaverse right um, where how will IP rights evolve in the metaverse? Will publishers have to become more flexible when it comes to you know uh, uh, that and, and and allowing sort of like players to to you know take take their precious IP and 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 play with that? Or how do you see that evolving in the future? Sure. Well, one, uh, uh, I think you know anybody anybody who's in law school right now. Uh, if you're thinking about going into criminal defense, change and go into I, I go into IP law, right? Uh, and so, I mean, I think that's you heard it here a, first, folks. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, and um, so, so one, I think lawyers going to, you, you know, there's a lot of lawyers going to, and a lot of litigation that's going to have to have to go. We are going to have to go through to figure all this stuff out. I mean, we just, you know, there was a, an article in Variety yesterday uh, that that uh, where Disney is uh, qualifying streaming revenue as home video uh, so as you know to to do some creative accounting because they're still working on these old contracts and so there's a lot so much stuff that has to be figured out about that i think you just have to you have to um you know you you have to anticipate this and 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 i think you know honestly i don't think we're going to get to a point where um where we lose the role of an artist i think there there will always be 
the the creators and the and the filmmakers and the storytellers uh, that have the expertise in those area areas that will continue to have the opportunity to tell uh, to tell stories that we just sit back and consume. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a complete cannibalization where we just we get rid of the artists and we just want to, we want our own Lego blocks. I, I don't think it has to be either or. I think it has to be yes yes and. I think as humans we crave great storytellers to tell us great stories. But at the same time, we have to figure out how to carve out those opportunities for fans to do exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but we have to think about that before and actually build that into the IP, whether it's a, you know, wh whether it's a creative idea, whether it's a part of the story world, whether it's an offshoot of a story, we need to seed that holistically. And then when we launch the sandbox for fans to say, to, to jump in, we can say, jump in there, do what you want, reskin it, uh, interact with it, do whatever you want with it, uh, and then and this is how it actually enters interacts with the other uh, more passive aspect of the IP, and they are actually linked to together. It's not just a uh, an extra thing, and it's a meaningful extension. Um, I think you know that's what we'll see. What you know, we've all seen. We've we're all aware how fan fiction interacts with IP, and and so we've always allowed fans and encouraged, or at least people should encourage fans to be able to do that. I know J.K. Rowling is famous for like really hating fan fiction, uh, but typically, uh, typically uh, creators like for fans to engage. U ultimately, what we're seeing is just another iteration of fan fiction, but now we're going to see it in the form of more you know visual media uh, rather than you know a short story you post on. That. So I think it's going to be the same principle with just different toys, but I think it just needs the creators have to be more mindful to give fans the sandbox to to play in and make that sandbox a meaningful aspect of the IP, right? That that could potentially interact with the with the, the more passive aspects of the IP. I think that mm. could be interesting as well. But uh, but yeah, I think we're going to have to go through the next you know 10, 15, 20 years of litigation to really answer all the questions of, of how it's going to play out. I mean, that's tough to, to, to see, and uh, but that's what courts are for. But, but, I think, but I think the more mindful creators can be of, of incorporating the, 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 uh, the audience into the experience, the better off they'll be. So the future of interactive entertainment is litigation. I'm going to sue Houston right now. I'm just going to quit my job and just. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that was my <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> Class action. Perfect, yeah. perfect. Um, okay, that that's a great segue. Coop, I'm, I'm coming coming to you now with for that <laughs> and with that. So, uh, so that's actually that's actually a, a great a great way to now follow up because we, we've been talking a lot about, of course, digital goods and. And, you know, I actually just saw recently, a couple of days ago, I think it was Anderson Horowitz investing like, uh, I think like some 8 million seed fund in, into uh, the world's first digital fa digital fashion label um, for, for sneakers. I think it was something like uh, Artifact. And, um, and you know, as, as today's panel shows, we can't go a day without hearing about um, uh, NFTs in the art world and, and or, or a blockchain-based games uh, game and, and, you know, all these digital goods. So, Ku, as somebody who kind of works... Uh, uh, you know, predominantly with physical goods, you know, like you, like you discussed with, with books and, and comics and manga, you, you, you do work with anime as well, but, but you do work a lot of with physical goods uh, and physical products in, in this increasingly digital world. Uh, how do you see the future uh, of collectibles looking like? What, what do you think the future holds for, for collectibles uh, in your opinion? Sure, thank you. Um, there's a great quote that I heard, I'll paraphrase it, which is that, people tend to overestimate 
the short-term revolution, but we underestimate the long-term impact, right? And I think if you take a look at what's happening with both NFT, but also blockchain overall, you know, right now, nobody knows how to price it, right? So that's completely crazy. But I think that is obscuring the long-term impact since we're here talking about the future. I think the future is incredible in multiple ways. I think from a creator IP holder point of view, uh, it's, it's very powerful in terms of controlling, controlling ownership, uh, you know, keeping provenance. I think it's also very interesting from a creator IP holder and also rights holder point of view um, to kind of create new financial products. So it's not just about what are you selling it today, but if you are a well-known developer, filmmaker, comics artist, sculptor, and you can potentially say, well, let's figure out what's the downstream effect revenue for the next 10 years of my catalog, right? And actually turn that into a financial product. I think from a collector and even retailer point of view, it's also, there's some really interesting aspect to this. Once again, you have this ownership question that you can say, I own this and have various ways. I can see collectors in the future have a physical product, just like in the fine art world, have a physical product in a free port. And then they have the NFT that they can take out and read and play with. So you got your, and then I think the lastly that we, I want to, I say, who said that? I think it was Houston that talked about the power of the story world. I completely agree. Um, go back to what I said at the very beginning. Right now, the pricing is out of whack, but, but that's okay. That's short term. You know, that's, you know, that's going to flatten now. I'm going to have a correction. Standard will be set at some point. Regulations are coming. Lawsuits are coming. But once everything flat now, I think it's really, really interesting. Just the quality content will rise to the top. Mm-hmm. So it's not just some random scan of a tweet. It's going to be like the best scan of a tweet. <laughs> That's going to rise to the top. So. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Um, uh, yeah, and I think uh, a lot of the times, I guess what, what we see is that these 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 age old things that that you know the the, the, the tactile feeling of 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 any of you know ha- having a collectible, I think potentially even uh, will, will be even even more important that we have those as we have a lot of things vaporized, so to say, right? Like you know we we have more and more of these goods, uh, you know, move into the digital realm. Um, arguably, that might actually make physical ones even more. Uh, important or even more significant um, because 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 of that 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 sort of like scarcity so that's very uh you know it's going to be very interesting to see how that uh, you know interoperates and then maybe touches on all of what you what you all have said so far is that is that it's about thinking holistically it's not either or it's it's all of the above but how right like how how do they operate together um so um I wanted to to move to John because we were talking about uh, and and I and I wanted to ask like uh, about um, sort of shift shifting gear a little bit now from traditional big IP and talking a little bit about uh, another segment of interactive entertainment and that's sports right so John here is uh, is it works you know with sports games and and um, traditional sports you know was one of the the segments that we've seen last year that was kind of hard hit by by covid right there's a lot of events obviously canceled and and all that and 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 what i think was was quite fascinating for a lot of us working in this space we've seen uh them moving into um or, or you know trying to 
kind of like move into and take advantage of, of esports and and the and the digital nature of, of of video games, which was which was an interesting sort of like reversal um, of interest. So uh, your company uh, Nifty Games is, is partnered with with the NFL and and with, with you know with the NBA to create these high quality sports games uh, for 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 mobile audiences. Can you talk us through a little bit your your vision of the future of uh, of sports games in particular? Because that, that's the area where you're in and how they will kind of like fit into this uh, landscape of traditional sports and esports, and where do you see kind of like uh, you guys being and, and being in the future? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I think uh, we talked a lot about intellectual property and how how uh, it's going to be treated in the future. And you know, these IPs are not just generated from games or film or, or TV. Uh, you get into some of the other stuff like sport or music, uh, some things that have more connection to events and, and, and frankly, more connection to reality becomes a little bit of a different ballgame. Uh, I've worked a lot in the past with, obviously, throughout, throughout the uh, comic world and, and with superheroes and different IPs, all the video game IPs. Uh, but sports IPs are, are the most unique in the sense that it's kind of, a, I would say, it's almost part of the human condition sport. You know, so it's really it's one of the more painful things of the COVID situation lockdown was the the situation of, of not having sport going on on field and people not being able to kind of cheer on their teams. And it just felt like a, a loss of life part of the situation. Um, but as we, as they went along, like you said, they used to use video games quite usefully uh, to to supplement the, that. And the NASCAR did it famously over here. It did some uh, some actual virtual races that were excellent. And, uh, you know, the same thing with uh, using background sound from Madden and NFL games and, and and Premier League games from FIFA. So it's it's really interesting how the two worlds blend. And I think uh, sports IP is a bit different because it's so evergreen and so cyclical and it kind of renews itself on a, on a seasonal basis, literally. Uh, as you go along, you look at the future of sports and games and what we're doing. I mean, we're obviously focused on mobile and we like the idea that we're you know, we're addressing this large kind of predisposed fan base that has this passion for the content and it's just built in, you know, if uh, I always say, if you try to sell me a, you know, a navy blue t-shirt, you know, I'm a pass, but you put a Red Sox logo on it and I'm buying every one of them, you know, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's just, it is the way it is. Uh, but as compared to other forms of content, uh, sports separates itself a bit. And I think it's, uh, for us, it's, it's that, that, Attachments that re, you know, attachment to reality. I love the idea of, of particularly mobile, being able to have whether it's you know, geofencing or geolocation uh, exposure to the events that then affects the game in a more real time manner. We can do lots of different things even now today that brings fans closer to the action and closer to the game, even within the video game. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, we're focused on kind of clash style games, very quick. You know, uh, you know, I would say like the Altoid of gaming, five minute. You know, but. Uh, competitions that are authentic, but uh, you know it's on the go all the time, and I think that's going to be important uh, for the future as well. I think you look at different types of uh, technologies that are out there, and there's there's a lot of different ways you can engage fans, uh, both at the event level. You know, I think uh, mm -hmm. the idea of, I talked to somebody once about uh, you know in stadium, uh, you know holographic replays and things like that that were. You know, you could see different, uh, if there's a great play, it instantaneously is played again on the field and the types of fields that might be there in the future and the types of pitch, you know, where fans themselves have some agency over what's going on in the game itself. 
there's a lot of interesting things going on in sports in that direction. From the gaming side, I think, the, like I said, the more connected you can get to what players on the field are doing and what, how it relates to what's going on in the game, the better. And then vice versa. If the game itself can mm -hmm. relate to, you know, oh, it's halftime in this game, so we're going to do this. And you have this migration of, of audience, you know, in the, in the, in the two-screen fashion right now or, or live to screen. I think there's a lots of different options that can be done as uh, the world turns. But yeah, 20 years out, I would say it's going to be really interesting to see where sports are. If you look at a, you know, the game doesn't change, but but it advances, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you see more? Do you see more, more and more interaction between the, the athletes themselves and and in games and, and getting them sort of like. Um, I'm just thinking of some of the, you know, the, the, the trends recently that I've seen, you know, uh, athletes, um, you know, becoming streamers themselves or, yeah. you know, like, how, yeah, how do you see the, the athletes themselves kind of like being more involved in, in well, they're, they're, they're involved across the board and every, you got to also remember the demographic of most athletes, right? It's, there's, it's, uh, they're, they're young they're you know, generally speaking, mm. they're, they're engaged in gaming and they're engaged in, uh, you know, in interactive and online, uh, mm. you know, the NBPA, the, the Players Association for the NBA, a kind of famous mm -hmm. uh, three or four years ago, actually separated out from the NBA itself. Uh, it's the oldest players association. They, they'd, they'd allowed the league to basically curate their their property for, for decades. Uh, mm -hmm. But as, as they became closer to the fans directly through social media, through gaming, through uh, just general interactivity, they decided mm -hmm. it was to have a separate entity of their own where they could just better curate that process. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll see a lot of that happening as, as sports goes on. Individual players, uh, player associations, teams, even down to sponsor and event level where they're doing as much as they can to make sure that the fans are getting what they want. Because uh, the big thing with, with, with sports uh, in particular, almost different, this is maybe where it differentiates from some of the linear entertainment is, you know, you really are, are, are dealing with an expectation and this, this, this passion of what's happened in the past. And you're trying to deliver that to them again and, and really mm. uh, kind of satisfy people's needs. It's a bit different where, you know, in the story world uh, of fiction, you know, it's, it's more right. about uh, uh, building and surprising and, and kind of uh, constantly uh, adding to the storyline and, and expanding the world. You know, uh, sports very different. Sports is uh, very succinct. It's very much structured and uh, mm. advancements as the future goes on technologically are, are gonna be massive, but the game's gonna be the same. So right. we'll, I don't know, maybe we'll have robots on field at some point. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, that's what you're here to tell us now, John. Oh, that's <laughs> are we right. gonna have robots? <laughs> Absolutely. <I'm just> <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, and, and I would, I would, I would, I would love. To, yeah, go I ahead. Say, with things like with things like um, you know digital avatars and and deep fakes and so on. I mean, the, the ability to run a fantasy football team and then actually bring in those real players and actually play real games against each other in a FIFA engine, but you've actually got, I mean, there we go. that kind of stuff. There Again, we go. You know, there's money for everybody in there and real entertainment for the people who want to play that stuff, right? You know, perfect. There we go. I was just going to say that I really want to like see how we can bring those two worlds together, even though like right now 
you know, it seems like that they are they are not connected, but they are. They have sure. just just Louis described it perfectly. That that's one way of, of, of doing that. So I have one more question to to uh, Alexei here, um, uh, and then we have a couple of questions there. I saw Houston started typing, but I actually want to ask it on screen. So make sure oh, okay. I, I want to make the sure. Answer. <laughs> you don't have to delete it. You can co copy it for yourself in case we don't get to it. But I want to make sure that we, we actually ask those on, on, on screen. So hopefully we are doing fine for time right now. I haven't, uh, I think we started a little later. So hopefully we still have a few minutes, but I want to make sure we get to, to Alexei. So, so um, I'm going to switch gears again, because we haven't talked about one of the, one of the industries uh, or one of the, uh, you know, shall I say one of the mediums that that were the the previous hype train before nfts have arrived and and swooped that <laughs> the, the 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 hype train away from from vr but of course a few you know uh, a few years ago um it was it really really was vr and i think there's many of us myself included who is still very very excited about the uh the medium and and, and the platform now your studio develops for multiple platforms not just the ar and vr um, um and, and you talked about their streaming interactions which was very interesting maybe we'll get to that but um, um, I'd really be remiss to have a panel about the future of, of interactive entertainment uh, if we didn't really, if we didn't talk about this, you know, with about immersive platforms in particular, and that's you know XR or MR or how, however you uh, you know mixed reality or, or extended reality, whatever whatever is your your fancy for 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 definition, right? So um, of course, when you know when the DK one came out back in 20, 2013, um, you know it was very very exciting. Those of us who tried it, my, again myself included, uh, we were like, okay. This is great. I'm sold. Where? When do I get my parcel in the matrix? Right? Like, I just wanna. <laughs> when do I get my little? When Coming. do I get? To, yeah. Right. When do I get to eat my little virtual steak there? But um, how how do you see it? Um, you know, yourself as a developer. How much closer are we to that vision uh, today? Uh, and then, how about 20 years from now? Are we getting there? Is, is what I'm asking. Ready, ready player when is what I want to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I actually want to uh, add to Louis when he mentioned that uh, you can create your own team using FIFA Engine just at, in VR. And this is probably the best to teach what's happening in, in 20 years. So, yeah, indeed, we, we, we're facing probably fifth or sixth generation of VR coming. So, we have like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it was a long way. It's a, it had a lot of hype and ups and downs, and it's people just get very careful on on the, what what's going on. But the the install base is actually finally get there. There's a few projects that generated more than a million the copies, so it's, there is the audience. And unfortunately, still missing new content. Like as a, as a user, I'm 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 checking the store, and it's still not enough. And we have chicken egg situation again. Uh, but it's it's getting there. So the yesterday we have Vive announced new headsets with a higher resolution and with a higher frame rate. So it's they. I understand why it's happening. Having participating in launches from like from last decade on every major platform, we, we see how the hardware evolve and how uh, development tool evolves. And pretty much the same rules apply. I don't know if if they made it intentionally or not, but it's pretty much the same, same approach for, 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 for the VR as well. So it's getting, not immediately all feature headset full of everything. They're just getting updated slowly. And it's kind of bad for end user, but I think they're targeting just uh, fans and uh, early adopters. So they, they get the, the, best, the best headsets. Uh, 
so what, what I'm missing for VR, we need better content. In terms of uh, metaverse uh, and matrix and everyone, ready player one and you get <laughs> everything. Uh, I personally think that's not many, not a few companies able to, the, to do that. And actually waiting on actually Epic open it for add VR support for Fortnite and allow users to make own games, I think they'll be exploding. Because for Metaverse, you need a huge audience first. I see a lot of attempts to make a Metaverse based on IP or just creating new IP. Like, I don't believe. I mean, even Oculus is trying to make their own Metaverse social interactive system. We we had a try, it's great, absolutely great, but I'm not sure, it's still limited. So in terms of like metaverse, probably Fortnite's next next step. I'm not talking about like 20 years old, but probably like step step by step, it's probably the best approach. I, I, I Roblox as well, maybe some Lego games. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was an attempt with a second life. Uh, right. Yeah. Like yeah. It's it's still yeah it's still I, there. So <laughs> I I hope I hope Tim Sweeney is listening. Right here. <laughs> this is it. Add, adding VR to Fortnite. Here we go. Okay, so we have a few minutes, so I want to make sure that we get to the questions. Uh, we have a couple of questions here. Um, uh, it looks like one one for Luis and, and one uh, I think for for Houston. And then for those, uh, if if you still have some questions, uh, maybe we can still fit it in. But let's let's go quickly. So the first one uh, by uh, by anonymous attendee. Here we go. Uh, I was surprised to see that so much of the new Fast and Furious film is practical. There are real cars there being flipped up with springs those virtual vfx uh, effects we've seen in mandalorian are great but will we see a reaction against all the digital effects with a desire by audiences to see physical action again hmm okay I, I don't i don't think it will go in in either direction really i think if a filmmaker makes a good project and they show the thing right on screen nobody cares and nobody really notices the 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 people who are real fans of practical effects and mostly filmmakers who just go, wow, how did you do that? Um, and, and also when they have a certain look about them, you know, we love practical effects that are retro um, and that look old school. And, and actually I can see that somebody's going to go and create something that looks like the original Terminator movie. That's got a kind of Rick Baker or Stan Winston effects. And you'll find out the whole bloody thing was done in unreal, you know? So um, I, I think it still comes down. I think that, as Houston said, the most important thing with any of the visuals that we produce, anything that puts put in front of people is the story at the end of the day. You know, even if I've edited it all and, you know, again, taken all those Legos and made my own creation out of it, you know, did I enjoy the tale? So interesting question, but I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference. And that's a very, very good point. Also, I think about to touching on the democratization of creation that that now when when the technical barriers are going to be removed, uh, what remains is the story. Like you said, Houston, sure. it's more, more what important. remains is yeah. the creator's talent and ability to capture uh, your imagination with the story yeah, and the characters. <clears throat> right. So so we then then we have, I think, probably the, the last question here from Molly. Uh, what do you think teams developing IPs today make sure uh, Sorry, make sure they do to future-proof their property. What do you think, I guess, they should do? Uh, specifically things that may not have been needed uh, possible in the past. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, uh, one great question. I, I think it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to know. Obviously, we, we don't, none of us have crystal balls. None of us are Nostradamus, right? So I think in an air, 
in an in an era of which is unfortunate for a panel like this but the uh uh in an era of uncertainty and volatility i think you have to double down on the thing that's always has always worked in human history which is a great story a great story world that captures the human heart captures the human imagination when you have that i think you have the asset that that can be become malleable but the the requirement i think is more mindset of the creator i think you have to be curious you have to be forward thinking you have to explode the box that you put yourself in and just like i'm just a filmmaker i'm just a game developer i'm just this i'm just this you now have to think of yourself as a hyphenate or a polymath and and be learn always learning new things you have to listen to the audience listen to you know, actually honestly engage with your community see what they're talking about see what the trends are anticipate things you know gretzky always said you have to skate to where the, the puck's going to be not where the puck is right we have to have that mentality uh, uh, as creators, I think to be uh, to be liquid enough to move forward. And just one one last thing, I want to throw in. Uh, uh, you know, what's so interesting, I think, right now with with when you see Travis Scott doing concerts in Fortnite, right? We're seeing this 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 collision of uh, of music and uh, and gaming. I think there's a lot of interesting things about when we have sports events in, inside Fortnite. What happens? You know, the NFL is going to Mexico City. What happens when the NFL goes to Fortnite to have a, a, a game inside? Fortnite, lots of cool things, and just a little, you know, one thing I'd love to talk to John about: just the the reemergence of sport card, like digital sports cards, uh, and the collectible uh, aspect of it, especially as NFTs. What a major opportunity those are! So anyway, I just shoved in a couple extra things in there, yeah, there uh, just great, just for bonus, just for good measure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I actually want to add about not about IP, but about platform, because when you're creating the game now, you have no idea what kind of platform you get in the five, ten years. Sure. And it's always opportunity. And this is what my team, I, I spent 10 years that training my team, like we're ready. They not even asking, is it coming to us a platform? Like they know it's coming. So we need to choose cross-platform tools or as much as we can. I had a few cases that we just switched platform. It sells like 10 times more than in, in, in the platform we created originally, just mm -hmm. because of right time or maybe right audience or just yeah, mm. just an opportunity for the genre. So we, we don't know. It's you, you always need to know that already for, for different platforms. So you cannot live in one just one platform nowadays. Just it's not true. So the future is cross everything, cross IP, yes. cross platform, be holistic and uh, okay. Perfect. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I think <laughs> <laughs> and this is it. We've solved it. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.